welcome to the Northwestern Masters of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton. When most of us hear the term athletic director, it conjures up thoughts of figures like Barry Alvarez, or more recently Derek Gregg. Those public-facing facets of an athletic department play an enormous role, but don't tell the entire story. Athletic departments, and more specifically the title athletic director, can encompass multiple disciplines and roles at a university from compliance to development to administration and even facilities. Our guest today, Marcus Adels, deeply understands the intricacies of an athletic department and the roles played by athletic directors. Marcus is the Associate AD for Facilities and Capital Projects at the University of Miami, a role he started in May of 2022. At Miami, he oversees the Facilities and Operations Work Unit and is responsible for all capital projects and the day-to-day management of the athletic facilities. Marcus went to Miami after four years as an associate for facilities and operations at Northwestern University. During his time with the Wildcats, he provided leadership, management, and direction for all athletic facilities. In addition, he helped complete over $400 million in capital projects and facility enhancements at Northwestern. In 2018, Marcus was nominated for the Collegiate Events and Facilities Management Association Facilities Manager of the Year Award. In 2021, he became the sports administrator for Northwestern's men's soccer program. Prior to his time at Evanston, Marcus spent four years at the University of North Carolina Wilmington, where he supervised the facilities and events management staff. Marcus also spent time at Radford University, where he oversaw all facilities and game management for each of Radford's 19 NCAA Division I programs. Other stops for Marcus on this great journey include the University of Central Florida, the University of Maryland, and Towson University. For all of us who get the benefit of all the work someone like Marcus does to make our lives and the venue experiences as memorable as possible, it's great to get a behind-the-scenes look at all the work that goes into creating these amazing facilities. So we hope you all enjoy this conversation with Marcus Adels. Marcus, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, I'm a big fan of the podcast. Had a chance to listen to uh, a couple of your more recent, um, you know, shows, and it's been it's been great. It's been really cool because I think some of those episodes you listened to, you mentioned, are people in the athletic department realm, and oftentimes many of our listeners, they have the aspirations of being an athletic director, and I use that term loosely. What's so great about having yourself or Tyler Jones, a previous guest that we had, Colin Sexton, people that work in athletic is the term athletic director can and does encompass a lot of things. And so you're an associate athletic director and focus on facilities and capital projects. Can you tell us a little bit about both of those things combined or how they split and where the lines of demarcation are there? Yeah, no, um, it's been it's been a journey for me. you know, but in terms of facilities and operations and facilities and capital projects, you know, my job is really to to build, uh, operate, maintain our facilities, you know, provide that safe and secure environment for, you know, all the members of, you know, our, our athletics family, you know, the greater, in, in this instance at the University of Miami, the greater, you know, Coral Gables community. Um, and in my current role, I'm, I'm really more focused on uh, designing and building new facilities or, or renovating, you know, existing facilities. Um, so there's a little, there's a project management piece to that. Um, our director of facilities and operations, who's, you know, part of our unit really manages the day-to-day operations um, of our unit, but also the athletics department in a lot of ways in terms of um, 
just how we operate and how we move and interact within our spaces, um, whether that's scheduling, whether that's you know uh, the, the custodial aspect of it, the the access management piece of it, um, you know there's there's obviously personal management within our, our units as well, um, and so we're just trying to coordinate all of the kind of different things that happen within your athletic facility, whether you know it be you know Tyler Jones's area and the the external or or you know it more internal business office type functions. And then of course, you know, we're all here for our student athletes and our coaches and, and to see them succeed. And, and so just, you know, focused in, and, uh, you know, our, our primary goals are just supporting their day-to-day um, schedules and, and allow, you know, so that they can, they can do what they do. But it's interesting that you bring up how facilities and capital projects, sure. I, in my head kind of rolled those together. And I think there's a facet of your job that is the capital to build those facilities. We obviously see so much of that happening in this country and other countries from a sports perspective with, think of SoFi and Allegionaire stadiums make a big splash. But it seems though, and correct me where I'm wrong here, that there's sort of two disparate things, meaning there's the facilities management portion of it. There's a capital projects portion of it, which could have a facilities component to it, but they operate independently in place. They, they do. They're all kind of interconnected and independent, you know, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. And I would even throw in uh, event management, you know, some places like event management championships as, as part of that group as well. And a lot of schools, um, facilities and event management are the same unit. You know, a lot of times your facility manager is your event manager. So that what that means is, you know, day to day, I'm the facility manager. I'm making sure that the the lights are on and the, the air conditions working. The space is clean. I'm scheduling the spaces within that facility. And, and then on game day, you know, you kind of go to a different role. And you know, now I'm in charge of the visiting team and and the officials. And I'm I'm you know trying to get fans in. And I'm really, you know, the what the analogy I used to use was like the director of the play. Like you're really behind the scenes making things go. Um, you're not necessarily front and center on stage, but you're, you're the one who's kind of making sure everybody's in the right position and in, in the right spaces and, and you're putting on a, a good event. And then you have the capital projects piece, which is, you know, relatively new to me. When you look at kind of my, my career as a whole, um, it's really been the last six, seven years that I've been more focused on the, the projects piece. And yeah, that, that, that in and of itself has been, um, kind of its own job in, in terms of um, working directly with your university uh, facilities and project management team, you know, developing relationships with architects around the country and, um, you know, just folks who help you, one, design these facilities that you're, you're ultimately going to, um, you know, be building. And then, then there's the construction aspect of it. Um, that you know once you design it obviously you've got to you've got to you got to go build it and and i I think for me what has been a a benefit is my operations background is going through kind of that event space going through the operations side of you know facility operations and now that i'm in the construction space in the the design and construction space it's it's become a little easier to um, design a space that we can use every day and and you know you obviously want the most aesthetically pleasing space and there's all you know different priorities and different factors when you go they go into designing a, a facility but um for, for me, having that operations background of how are we going to use this once this thing is built, you know, we want to use this for 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, maybe sometimes beyond that years after that. And, and 
let, let's design something that's flexible. Um, let's design something that is, you know, we kind of future proof or, or, you know, you're thinking ahead, just trying to be proactive um, and you design something that you can grow into. There's, as you, you know, this college athletics landscape, it's, it's ever changing. So um, your facilities have to be able to adapt with the, the changes of college athletics. Someone who just went through building a house and all of the decisions and little intricacies went into that. I cannot even imagine the level of intricacy that goes into stadium construction, venue construction, and what you have to manage for that. And like you mentioned, the reusability, the applicability across sports and so on. It has to be an enormous amount that goes into that. I really do want to dig into that. But if we put a pin in that, you go back and you mentioned all of that experience that you have. You've had a really interesting path in college athletics from roles at Maryland through the University of Central Florida and Radford, UNC yeah. Wilmington, and then near and near to us at Northwestern before your yep. your trip down south. <laughs> Can you give us a little bit of that path and the evolution from when you're an undergrad and where you are today? First off, love the way in. You put that, uh, just, just trip <laughs> down south, but no, um, for me, it starts with my upbringing. You know, I'm a, I'm a Midwest guy. So um, that's actually what led me to Northwestern. You know, I was born in Detroit, um, raised there for part of my life, raised in Ann Arbor, Michigan um, for part of my life and actually graduated high school uh, just outside of Columbus, Ohio. I always make the the joke that my mom didn't quite understand Big Ten rivalries too too well. She moved us from my, my, my sister and I uh, from Ann Arbor to, to Columbus. But um, as a graduate uh, at Hampton University, you know, I was a sport management major, but I, I kind of quickly picked up that MBA probably wasn't in the cards for me, um, but I wanted to remain connected to sports and and I played sports growing up. I'm from college towns. Uh, sport is my passion. So fast forward, you know, you, you mentioned some of the places that I've that I've had the opportunity to, to serve support, you know, uh, along this journey. And now that my space now that I'm kind of primarily in this facilities um, an event space, it's kind of centered around three things in, in terms of like how I got here. Um, when I look inward, I think the first thing I think about is I'm always trying to be the, the best event and facility manager that I can be. And, you know, I've got this thirst to just learn and grow and, and that really drives me. And so um, when I got into this at Ohio State and, and it was again, more on the event side, um, I just wanted to just be the best event manager that I could be. And, and that grew into a little bit more. And I learned that in order to be a great event manager, you've got to be an excellent facility manager. So then I wanted to be a great facility manager. And then you learn in facilities, you know, you, 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 you are a great facility manager. And, and now there's this project piece, there's this capital project. And so now I want to, you know, do the best with, with, uh, you know, the, the construction element and the design and build um, of our athletic facilities. Um, Second, along my journey, I would say is a little bit more outwardly um, because events, facilities, capital projects, these aren't like necessarily we don't touch the student athletes in terms of like we're not as forward facing with student athletes as maybe an, an academic advisor or, or an athletic trainer. Um, and so. You know, I started to turn my focus on my staff a little bit as well. And and that was something that was really driving me is like, how can they be the best? How can we build the best unit that ultimately supports our student athletes? Um, you know, you got Ryan Fieldhouse, Walter Athletic Center, you got the nice Welsh Ryan Arena, you know, at, at Northwestern. And um, it's 
th those facilities transform lives. Like, th like that's th those facilities transform communities. Uh, you know, I know right now going through the, the process with Ryan Field, you know, that's not just a Northwestern University project. That's a Chicagoland project. That's a, you know, city of Evanston, Chicagoland project. That's a, you know, Northern Illinois project. That's, that's a regional deal that that's a, you know, you're, you're, you're touching a lot of people. So, um, that was really exciting for me. And then um, the third piece that has really driven me to kind of where I am, um, it's relatively new, but um, it's all the change that's ha currently happening within college athletics. I, I really try to embrace that. And I look at it as an opportunity to be part of the generation, if you will, that is going to shape the future of college athletics. And so, you know, this is my passion. It's the only thing I've done since since college. And now I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, having the opportunity to look at this landscape, college athletics landscape as a whole, and, you know, just play a really small role in what that could look like going forward. And, and you know, that, that's exciting to me. So um, those are kind of the, the career drivers, if you will, that help kind of propel me to, you know, where I am today. It's such an amazing mindset to have because oftentimes we see a lot of hesitation with the changes in college athletics. There sure. is the get off my lawn person that is, yep. sure. this isn't sure. like it used to be. And there's some merit to that. There's some merit to those arguments. You can see that other side, but change is coming and change is inevitable. And I think that your view on embracing that change and also along with that, providing the experience for the student athlete we often overlook as a lay fan or just a college student, how important those facilities are to the student sure. athlete because they spend so much time in those facilities. And I think it has to have an enormous draw from things like recruiting and making students sure. stay and feel at home and feel comfortable. So you're right that if you look at it from a surface level, one could think things like conference realignment or name yeah. image and likeness may not impact your role at all. However, sure. all of those things and the changing dynamics of college athletics play a big role from a facilities perspective in making the students comfortable. And if you look back at your time at Northwestern, but you've grown and evolved, you were a part of completing $400 million in capital projects and facility enhancements. And you talk a little bit about that. You mentioned the new Ryan Field. You talk sure. a little bit about all that work that you did to continue to shift and move and change those facilities at Northwestern. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, that was, you know, for me, life changing because I, I really got an opportunity to see the importance. You, you hear the big numbers in terms of how much these buildings cost and, and you know, the, the amount of square footage and everything, but to see the impact that it has um, on the student athletes day to day. So like one of the, the best things that you know I heard and for folks that are listening that don't know the Northwestern campus, the athletics campus. It used to be kind of primarily around the football stadium, which was about a mile away from the core, you know, academic campus, if you will. And then we built at the time, you know, a, a new, um, the Ryan Fieldhouse Walter Athletics Center building right on the lakefront. It's it's adjacent to um, your residence halls. It's adjacent to, um, you know, classes and, and the, the greater kind of campus community. And Coach Fitz up there does a great job of, of sharing the story and, and using that, that a part as part of his recruiting pitch of, hey, like we're we're able to give you time back on your day. Like he estimated that you know they get he was given able to give his guys you know an hour back on their their day to do whatever just because they didn't have to travel back and forth, just because they had academics and they had 
their dining center and they had their practice facility and they had their training room and their, you know, everything was in this one space. I feel like I'm recruiting for coach Fitz. Uh, I'll, I'll have to have to shoot him a note later, but no, um, like, like, and, and it, it truly did, you know, it, it, it was transformative and, and you, you just can't underestimate how much time uh, these young folks spend in these facilities. Um, and so you want them to be, comfortable. You want them to be able to perform their best. You want them to be able to um, be in a space that they can, you know, it's still an academic environment so that they can, you know, learn and, and, and grow um, and, and kind of hone their craft. Um, and, and facilities play, a, you know, a, a major role in that. And even with the, the ever-changing landscape, you mentioned NIO, like, you know, one of the things that we're we're, we're interested in putting in, you know, a facility that we're, we're designing right now is this kind of state-of-the-art NIL suite. What does that mean? And so we're working with a ton of consultants as to how the NIL space could change, you know, going forward. And, and how are we preparing for a student athlete to have a meeting with an agent? How are we paying for if a student athlete has to go to work? Are we setting up, you know, some kind of we work, if you will, type of environment where they can, they can, go from their locker room right up to, you know, the, the, the job place and, and get some work done. If, is that where, where we're headed? Um, I don't know, you know, podcasts and things like that and, and content creation, all, all of that stuff um, that goes along with, you know, the name, image, likeness space. Um, you know, it could be conference realignment as well. I know you, you mentioned that, you know, you've got this realignment and a lot of my colleagues that, you know, former place that I was working UCF, they're getting ready to transition to the big 12 you know, that has a tremendous impact on their facilities. If, you know, for those in this facility space, the nerd facilities nerds like myself, um, you, you follow some of that stuff. They, they've announced, you know, a ton of uh, renovations and, and upgrades to their facilities just so that they can compete at that level. Um, so, you know, people say it's an arms race and things like that, which, you know, that there's, there's some truth to that, but I think really it's just about creating the environment for your student athlete to, uh, you know, be the best versions of themselves. It's amazing because take something like NIL, we look at it at the top level. And I think you can see both sides of lots of arguments around that, but I do think it really is a great thing to see students be able to capitalize on that, but not only capitalize on it, but enable them to learn and understand contracts and negotiation and branding. But we often just see that from a student athlete perspective and how they're making money or how they could potentially make money. It's really cool to see how that permeates down or across the university level. And now even in your space of designing facilities and having a dedicated space, that is something that the average fan, the average person that follows college athletics or those athletes individually would never think of because we just think of it at that top level. I think you did an excellent job recruiting, uh, whether it's from a football perspective or any of the Northwestern athletics than those facilities. But part of your role in these facilities, we always hear stories like at the University of Oregon with how their facilities help with recruiting. One, do you think there is truth to that? And you have you seen that in your career in the places that you've been that the facilities do play a role in the recruiting process? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think to to an extent, right? So um, I saw it firsthand at, at Northwestern. I mean, you, you build um, that facility, I think at the time, uh, Northwestern football had its highest recruiting, rated recruiting class, whatever that means. You know, I know Coach, Coach Wooden, he doesn't look at the stars and things like that, but if you do, for those that do, um, you know, it was, you know, one of the highest recruiting classes that 
the university has had maybe the highest uh, rated recruiting class that it had. And it was immediately after, uh, you know, we opened that that new facility. And you just saw, saw some of the, the prospective student athletes and the recruits that were come through the facilities that were even interested in it that may not have uh, given Northwestern the, the, the same look, you know, in, in years prior. And so um, you, you, I think from a, a recruiting perspective, is a student athlete choosing or selecting a university based off of a facility? Probably not. You know, it, 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 I, I don't think it goes that far. Um, and at a certain point, I would say, you know, one facility to the next, the differences, you know, the, the, they, it gets a little gray and, and, and you know, so they, they find other factors in terms of that, that decision. But in terms of how it impacts their their day-to-day life to kind of go back to what we were talking about before. And I think you, you, that's what you're selling in a, in a facility. I think, um, you know, from a recruiting perspective, how it generates the, I mean, beyond just the student athlete, right? Like how, what, what is this facility, especially like a basketball arena or a football stadium, how it's going to impact the community and the fan base. And, you know, now, you know, we've got a new football stadium. It's we're, we're getting more fans. It's a fun place to play. It's, it's, you know, you know, I, I see myself at this stage. It's a bigger stage. We're on TV more. Um, all, all of those things come along with, with new facilities. And so uh, it, all of it is kind of intertwined. Um, facility is not going to be the, the sole reason, but it, it is going to, it does play a huge role. Uh, I think for, for a lot of our, uh, student athletes, the, the, you know, the recruits that are coming up from high school um, as they make their selections. It's interesting timing for me talking about these things because when the course I teach the technology of sports, we devote an entire week to the in-stadium experience and how technology has really shifted and changed and moved the in-stadium experience, which you could argue both sides of technology has done more for keeping us at home because of the comforts mm-hmm. that it provides. But if you look at stadiums today, they're almost designed with a tech first approach. And yeah. historically speaking, things like sight lines and seat comfortability were paramount. But now, if you look at some professional football stadiums, but you can extrapolate that out, the things like the Intuit Dome in the NBA that's going up or the new Tottenham Stadium in the UK from a European football perspective. Do you see that? Do you see much more of a technology integration led approach from stadium, not only construction, but whether it's renovation or approaches to stadiums these days than you used to in the past? I do. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, we're always connected, right? So I think the first thing, the easiest thing is, is we're always connected, you know, to something we've got that phone in our hands and, and, you know, so Everything from just making, you know, the, the Wi-Fi capabilities and um, the, the the charging options and things like that, you know, on a very just basic level of trying to create this experience within a stadium that is going to allow you to have some of the same amenities that you or, or necessities, I guess, at this point that you have at that you have at home. Um, but no, I mean, from a from a technology perspective, one there's the technology that's changing our games like our our actual like on the playing field and the you know, that's you know baseball is right now going through kind of a, a a huge change within its sport and using technology um to speed up the game and to make the game a little bit more enjoyable um for the modern fan um from a a you know the average fan i think you know it's it's at home one of the benefits you, you'll hear people say is 
you know, you get the, you get your big TV and it's high def and you get to flip through the channels and everything. So now how can we bring some of that experience into a stadium to allow you to get, you know, have, be able to view whether that's multiple games or, or stay connected to multiple things at the same time. Um, and, it, and it's really just, I think right now in terms of venue management, venue um, construction, it, it's about providing options. And so, you know, for the person who values technology, you really have to understand that consumer and that fan, that that person who's entering your state for somebody who's maybe a little bit more traditional um, and, and maybe old school, if you will, in, in terms of how they, you know, um, like to attend games. You, you can't isolate, you know, you know, isolate that that fan. And um, and so you're, what you're now starting to see is a variety in in stadiums and ballparks across the country arenas across the country where you can get multiple different experiences based on just what what is your thing right you know if you're you know for you, know, you get beer gardens and those types of things that are that are targeted to a certain you know demographic that wants to just come and socialize um and, and kind of hang out and they you know that's the group that would normally go to like a, a bar and and now you're kind of bringing that into the stadium you've got um, you know, an opportunity to bring, you know, young people and kids and, and not, you know, isolating, you know, parents, you have parents who want to bring their, their kids. And so you're starting to see that you're starting in terms of inclusivity. Um, you, you really start to think, see facility managers think, um, holistically in terms of this kind of venue management and, and construction and just the experience that you're trying to give everyone versus just saying kind of, here's the stadium, where you know it's the the history and tradition of our our university our institution and that's what's attracting everyone now you're you're kind of targeting um, different groups and and making sure that everybody is able to have uh, a positive experience within your facility but going back to technology I think that that plays a that plays a huge role um, in in you know a a quality uh, experience no matter who you are because um, that's just where our society is today. You mentioned a few times all the different things that can be done at the stadium, right? Sure. The family pieces, the sure. you know, portions from people to the beer gardens. And sure. I've heard you mention a couple of times the community aspect of that. Again, these are things that are top of mind for me because of teaching my own course and some writing that I've done recently. But in the U.S., there's a big discussion around how we have lost what is often called the third space. So yeah. us as humans, we have home and either work or school. And then for many, many years, that third space was occupied by something like church or even a mall, a physical mall. Yep. People would go and gather. Obviously, since March of 2020, those things changed. But even before that, things mm -hmm. in that realm were starting to change. Malls were decreasing. When I was a kid, people went to a bowling alley or a skating yep. rink. It doesn't happen as much anymore. On a professional level, we see stadiums like the new stadium in Nashville or the same with SoFi, the same with the Intuit Dome and basketball, a big promise of these stadiums and these venues is integration into that community. And the question that I have at a macro level, and I think to you on the college level, do you see, one, the integration into the community being an important part in college athletics? And secondly, would that be that third space? Could it be something where you can bring people together more like the communal aspects of what we used to get from church or going to the mall or going to a bowling alley or things like that? Sure. No, the, the short answer to your question is yes. Um, 
it, it's absolutely in the college space. It's something, you know, I, I use the term facility nerd. You know, it's something that I was actively studying years ago on um, really at the time I was more focused on not competition venues, but just our day-to-day venues. So you kind of go back to your Ryan Fieldhouse, your Walter Athletic Center. That's just the day-to-day operations of the Northwestern Athletics Department and how student athletes were using those spaces. And what I learned was like, when I was going to college, everyone, you know, I don't know if it it just felt like there was more introvertedness. There there wasn't a lot of gathering. There wasn't a lot of gathering. And, And I don't know if this is a, you know, factual or anything, but it seemed what I started to notice when I looked around is like, student athletes at that time liked to be in the same space at the same time. And so we started creating spaces and we started leveraging some of the spaces. If you go into Ryan Fieldhouse, there's a space called Slotnik Family Atrium. And it's really just an open room that's got a view, an awesome view of Lake Michigan. <laughs> but um, we were able to use that, that space in, multi, uh, in multiple different ways to just get student athletes together. And, and that's what we were finding is, you know, they want the space, they don't just want the locker room where they're changing, they need the lounge where they can hang out and play video games or do homework together and just be around and just socialize with each other. You know, they need the, the dining center space that is a little bit more comfortable because they're not just going to eat and then put their tray away and they're, they're off to the next thing. Like they're gonna hang around for a little bit. And, you know, so is your, is your dining center comfortable? And, and and so I learned a ton from from my time at Northwestern about just creating these spaces for people to get together, and especially that generation of, of student that that seemed to love those opportunities to just be around one another and 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 um, create with you know one another. And so you know you, you try to you try to provide those opportunities, and that has now since led you know into those, the competition venue spaces. And I think baseball was the the first one to probably hit on it, which was they realized that you know the sport was a little bit slower, the action was a little bit slower, and and you know, how can we get people, um, some people don't just want to sit in, you know, in their, in their seat and, and stare at the game. You know, there, there, there are breaks and things like that. You're, you're out in between innings and everything else. And so some folks want to gather, they want to, you know, come to a space. And so now you start to see these decks where folks can buy a, a cheaper ticket and it's standing room only. You start to see, uh, you know, the drink rails type spaces. You, you start to see these spaces, these, that it's really just designed for, folks to, you know, grab what they need from the concession stand and then hang out. And, and the, the game, I don't want to say it becomes secondary, but what they're doing in their space is equally important as what's going on, you know, on the court or on the field in terms of their the experience that they're getting. Um, and I think that's cool. Like, I, I think that's, that, that's awesome. Um, it, it's been, it's been nice to provide. I just took advantage of it most recently, went to a Miami Marlins game and, and just bought a cheap ticket and, and hung out, you know, with some friends and some coworkers. And, um, you know, we weren't going there to kind of just sit and, and stare at, you know, the game, we kind of wanted a chance to be together, but you talked about that third space, like that was our third space to just have an opportunity to, to, to hang out and be with each other. But we just so happened to do that at a baseball game. And, uh, the Cubs were playing, by the way, um, and and so, so um, still still got the big Cubs fan, but um, and and so that 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 was cool. It's just that we're we're providing those opportunities for people to come together, um, and you know whether that be families or friends, um, you know there's a ton of research on it. But it, yes, to answer your question, I think there there's a a huge push towards 
athletics and sports venues, creating those that, that kind of third space uh, for gathering. We hear a lot about it in professional sports. Sure. I think part of that becomes a selling point for things like public funding or getting people yep. on board and those things. Absolutely. But in college sports, there is such a communal atmosphere anyway. And you mentioned the family component of that, bringing in family of student athletes and the families in the local community that come and bring families to college athletics. So it makes a whole lot of sense that these spaces would fill that void in those communal spaces because college athletics is in some ways set up already to be that. You know, one thing you mentioned that I think is really interesting is the historical context. And what I mean by that is if you look at a lot of venues across college sports, where I live now, places like Hinkle Fieldhouse at Butler, sure, historic sure. venue there, but it has a lot of mystique to it. Are there situations where you come up against where you have to balance the level of we need something new and innovative, but then also keeping that history and tradition inside of the facilities, whether it's constructing something new or even in the day-to-day management of those facilities? Absolutely, you do. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned one, you know, Cameron Indoor Stadium, like you can go around the country. There, there are a ton of, you know, tradition-rich spaces. And I think the balance there is, you know, there's obviously a revenue component of it is, is, is this impact you know, our, our, the bottom line? Are, are people not coming to our venue because we don't offer these spaces? Um, but at, at some of those institutions, I think some of my colleagues, while they are trying to be forward thinking and, and provide um, some of these newer amenities, if you will, um, they also understand that their balance isn't a 50-50 balance. Their balance, you know, might be a 75-25 or 85-15 type deal where, you know, they're still going to lean heavily on the tradition because that's part of the mystique. That's part of the experience of being in that space. And that's still why people, you know, pay the money to, to go to those, those, those spaces. And so, um, it still does mean something. I mean, the, the, the tradition, you can't, can't overlook it, you know, and, and some places really have that, that history, that tradition um, that allows them to play off of that. I mean, Wrig- Wrigley Field's another one, um, but even Wrigley Field um, during my time there, what they had, went through a modernization project and, and, you know, there were, there, whether it's, you know, for them, it was restrooms and concession stands and points of sale. Um, you know, so if you look inward on the field, there's a few changes here and there, but really it was more about the back of house stuff. Um, Understanding that the product on the field and and enjoying the game, you know, you're not, it's, it's not a circus out there at a Cubs game and everything. It's, you know, it's not, it's, it's still a, a, your traditional Cubs game. It's just some of the the things that maybe held people back from coming. The lines were too long or the food was cold or whatever the case may be. They were able to address some of those things, accessibility. You know, I know, that was a, a big part of their their project, and so um, understanding you know who you're trying to serve, I think, is really important um, in college athletics. It, I think it's it's like you, like you mentioned, it's a little easier um, because I mean you, you've got that kind of built-in um, fan base, if you will. You're 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 there for you know your student body and um, first and and what that group needs. And so for some schools at at a, at a Duke men's basketball game 
it, it, their communal deal is being in that student section and throwing on the body paint and everything. And so they, they don't necessarily need this wide open space where they can half pay attention to the game. Like their, their experience is they want to pay attention to the game because they're, they're part of this community um, of, of, you know, students that get this opportunity during the short period of their lives that so many people before them have had the opportunity to do. And, um, and, and that's awesome for them, for, for other universities that don't have that kind of, built-in tradition, um, I do think that they've had to adapt and evolve and, and provide um, different types of opportunities, and their, and their balance is a, is a little bit different um, in terms of creating these spaces, um, and, and you've, you've seen that across the country is with, with recent renovations, a lot of them have been leveraged. I, I, I'm very interested on a, on a quick sidebar in the, the, the soccer space, like the MLS space is really there's a lot of parallels with college athletics. And so I've really been following trends there um, because I think they've done a very good job of kind of targeting an audience, building a fan base and their facilities are, are I mean, similar size stadiums as a lot of college football stadiums. And um, you know, the, the way the crowd interacts with the, the game is, is, is very similar. Um, and so I think you'll start to see um, a little bit of inspiration drawn from, you know, soccer, whether that be over, over over across the Atlantic or, or you know here in the U.S. Um, in terms of facilities and, and how we're designing our facilities, I think that's definitely true. I was fortunate enough to live in London for quite a while, and sure. when I was there, I lived close to Fulham, so not okay. Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, yep. a smaller team. And I didn't know much about European football, and honestly, I didn't play soccer growing up, so I didn't know the rules. But I was sports starved and. <laughs> it really did have a college atmosphere. It had a college yep. football atmosphere. And what a lot of those teams have done in the lower half of the English Premier League is the same as the MLS. They've really focused on creating more intimate spaces, integrating them into the community because the community is such a big part of those football clubs. And I think you're it steps ahead in looking for trends there because I think they've done a lot of things right from a European football perspective. And you see it in the MLS too. Soccer fandom in the States, once we figured out that maybe the best football is not played in America, is played right. in other leagues, and sure. started broadcasting that here, has had a snowball effect. And I see the MLS yep. picking up. We've touched so much on the construction components of these pieces and, and some of the facilities. Man, there's so many questions and so many directions we could go, but I'll get you out of here on this. From a facilities management perspective or the capital projects in the building of facilities, what are the things that excite you most over the short, medium, and long term around facilities management and construction of facilities? Sure. I think in, in, the, in the short term, um, it, it's a lot of the things that we we talked about. It's it's identifying these trends and incorporating these trends and you know, you look at the college athletics landscape and and preparing for that because it's happening right now. It's 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 in our face. Um, it's it's happening quickly, and so that that I mean, again, I, I embrace it. I I'm, I'm excited about um, the changes that are happening around you know the the college athletics industry and and how that impacts um, facilities and and you know looking even beyond that. Um, is is to look at who we're trying to attract to our facilities. It kind of goes to your question about 
you know, you, you start to see attendance declining in areas and um, how are we attracting new fans to to our facility? And and one, so another thing that I'm, I'm really, is like just the inclusivity, uh, I mentioned that earlier, of, of trying to make sure that we're targeting everyone and everyone's having a, a quality experience when they enter our, our facilities. So from a construction perspective or from a, you know, a, a renovation, new construction or renovation perspective, like, are we looking at this holistically in terms of, you know, the, whether that's a universal locker room because, um, you know, we want to be inclusive in that space or um, whether it's, it's, it's large kind of open meeting spaces like we've been talking about so that, you know, folks can come in and enjoy, you know, each other's company without kind of being locked in on, on, on their seats. So just kind of thinking a little bit more broadly long-term um, for, for me, I think it, it, I'm, I'm really interested to see, as we look to, you know, the NFL right now is kind of uh, undergoing a transformation with its stadiums and, and that they're spending a ton of money um, with, uh, you know, you, you notice SoFi, uh, Las Vegas Raiders out there, the Allegiant Stadium there, Buffalo Bills, Tennessee Titans just announced two stadiums and, and they're, they're high dollar amounts. They're in the billions of dollars. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how that impacts college athletics long term. Um, how does that change the fan expectation um, and and ultimately impact college athletics and and so I've uh, I don't know yet because we you know we, we don't have enough data just you know just yet to to kind of see what that's going to look like but um, it is something when I when I think about you know five ten fifteen years from now like what is that fan going to look like and is that fan going to be used to um, some of the things that these billion, I, I mean, with a B, billion dollar stadiums are, are providing. Um, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where we go, but it'll, it'll come to college athletics and there'll be somebody a lot smarter than I that will, will, will start to, you know, come up with solutions and we'll do what we always do in college athletics is we'll, we'll find somebody's solution and we'll build on it and we'll, we'll keep building on it until um, we, we perfect it. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's uh, what we do. And, and, um, you know, how, how we, how we kind of have success. And it's, it's been, it's been great to, uh, you know, be with you today. And, and, um, you know, I, I just, yeah, just thank you for the opportunity. And, and it's been, a, it's been a great conversation. Well, it has for us too. And it's incredibly insightful because as fans, listeners, of this podcast, we get the benefit of all that you do, but we don't see that meaning that all of us that attend sports, especially on a college level and all the things that go into that, we don't think about all the work that goes into making those venues and making the experiences what they are for us. And it's really insightful, really cool to see all the work that gets done and all the time and energy and effort that you have to put into that. So Marcus, thank you so much for the time today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I, again, I appreciate you guys and um, yeah, best of luck going forward. And, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a go, go, go cats, go canes, go cats. And, um, no, but thank you again. And um, it, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.